This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 again. We'll be picking up in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Um, Last time I was with you, we went through the genealogy leading up to this point. Um, And uh, I think I may have reminded you that all four of the Gospels approach coming to this story of Jesus in different ways. You have the Gospel of Mark that just jumps right in at the beginning of Jesus' ministry with John proclaiming in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You have John... Uh, beginning all the way back at the beginning when the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word was... um, uh, and and everything that was made was made through Him. And then we have Luke, which we see the infancy stories that we we, uh, so often think about during the Christmas time. We think of uh, uh, John John the Baptist's birth, his, his parents who were aged, who who uh, uh, the angel came and told them they were going to have a miraculous child. And then also you have the angel coming to Mary and you have the census decreed and they go to Bethlehem and and the shepherds uh, all heard the angels saying glory to God in the highest. And Matthew, you know, we said last week, begins with a genealogy. (laughs) But he doesn't stay there. Uh, Luke, we see this story told from Mary's perspective. And in Matthew, we see the story told from Joseph's perspective. Imagine what it must have been like for Joseph. You're engaged to this woman. And, and, and you know, in that day, this engagement was legally binding. And you know, you have not yet consummated the marriage there's there's no uh, there's not been any sexual relations at all and yet she comes to you and lets you know i'm pregnant but don't worry it's god right what must joseph have been thinking at that time he he thinks very much like you would expect him to think as we read this passage let's go ahead and read beginning in verse 18 of Matthew chapter eight, uh, Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, they, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the, dream, from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you that all of it is true. We thank you that you have worked in miraculous ways to bring about your will. We thank you for the miracle of the virgin birth, and we thank you for the miracle of the incarnation where God became man. Father, we pray that you would help us this morning, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and help us worship you all the more for what you have done. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. It tells us in the first verse, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Um, Matthew tells it differently than Luke tells it. Uh, It doesn't mean they're contradictory. In fact, they fit together quite nicely in a complementary way. You have Mary's version and you have Joseph's perspective as well. But it tells us here, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. I want to linger there on that title again, Christ. Uh, We saw it three times in the genealogy, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Uh, We see Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. And then we see, um, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Uh, So as Matthew begins telling about this encounter with Joseph and the angel, he reminds us again that Jesus is the Christ. He is the, um, the Greek term for the Hebrew word Messiah. He is the long-awaited one, the one who uh, was promised long, long ago. He is the Messiah. This is how he was born. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came to vet together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This is where it began. See, in those days, betrothal, um, the closest idea we have uh, in our culture today is an engagement, but it's, it's, stronger, it's a stronger bond than an engagement. In their day, a betrothal uh, would begin whenever the husband would pay the bride price. So he'd already paid uh, down the, the bride price. They were considered married, yet uh, they did not come to live together in the same household. They had usually about a year's time where the husband would be preparing a home and they would not live together, and they would not yet consummate the marriage. Now, in this period of time, in this uh, waiting period between the betrothal, when the, when the husband paid the uh, bride price, and when they came together, Mary becomes pregnant. We know the story from Luke. The angel came to her. She said, he said that uh, Mary was going to... Um, uh, have a baby, uh, and it was going to be God's. He would be the son of God. And Mary said, let, let it be according to your word. Right? She accepted it. Uh, yet, there must have been so much shame that she was accepting. You see, you know, uh, liberal scholars, they look at a passage like this and say, well, they, they, just, uh, they must have made this kind of story up because, you know, people were were uh, not as sophisticated back then, but that doesn't really hold together. Joseph knew where babies came from. (laughs) 
You don't have to be a rocket science scientist. Um, and Joseph, uh, he, he re- recognizing this, it says he was a just man. He, he was unwilling to put her to shame. So he resolved, resolved to divorce her quietly. The, the relationship that they had in this betrothal period was so legally binding that it would actually take a divorce to be able to, to end that. Today, in an engagement, you can just end, end an engagement. You can call off the wedding and you don't have to bring in a court for anything. But uh, Joseph would have had to actually uh, give a divorce, a certificate of divorce, to be able to end his engagement. Verse 19, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, he was a good man. He was just. He was not harsh. He was not... uh, um, um, overbearing. He was a just man. He was unwilling to put her to shame. See, the law would have required, uh, in that case, Deuteronomy, I believe, tell, spells it out, that if, uh, if, uh, if a woman during this engagement period um, comes up pregnant and it's not her betrothed, then both the man and the woman were to be stoned if it happened in the city, and if it happened out in the field where no one would hear it, then just the man would be stoned. Um, Joseph was merciful. He, he, he was a just man, even though he didn't know yet that uh, this was a miraculous conception. He was merciful, and he didn't want to have her shamed. He didn't want to... to uh, to cause her open public shame. He loved her. He cared about her. But as he considered these things, he had made his mind up. He was going, he resolved he was going to divorce her. Yet while he was still thinking about those things, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. We see the same kind of thing happen in the Old Testament sometimes. We see... Um, an angel came to um, uh, Jacob. Jacob was, uh, uh, while he was traveling, he laid his head down on the stone pillow and he had the dream of the ladder and angels ascending and descending, Jacob's ladder. We see that in other places in the Old Testament, an angel would come to someone in a dream. So it's not uncommon for us to read about. This angel comes to Joseph in a dream. And what does he say? He says, Joseph, son of David. That reminds us again who, David, who Joseph is. He is calling attention to David's royal, Joseph's royal lineage, lineage. He is the descendant of David. He is the one uh, whom the promises could be fulfilled through. And the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Now, Joseph was probably not afraid, but he shrank back from it. He flinched. He, 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 He knew... From the way of of human beings and the natural course of things, he didn't have any involvement in this. And so 
The only natural thing he could do was just to divorce her quietly. But the angel says, no, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back, but take Mary as your wife. The angel explains that which was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Same thing we see in Luke's gospel. um, The Greeks... The Greek gods that uh, we, re- we can read about in mythology, uh, they had often where uh, a, a, one of the Greek gods would come down from Mount Olympus, Olympus or wherever and have relations with a, a human woman and they would have produce some kind of demigod or something. But that's not what we see here. It's not like that. No, uh, it was that Mary, by by the Holy Spirit, this miracle took place in her womb. Uh, There was no uh, sexual activity or anything like that, and all of a sudden, cells began to divide. And this child was formed in her womb. It was of the Holy Spirit. The angel also tells Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. There's something important there whenever it says you shall call his name Jesus. The father would name the child. And so by Joseph calling his name Jesus, he was accepting him as his own. Accepting Jesus as his own. And it says, For he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, it's the same as the Old Testament name Joshua or Yeshua. And it means the Lord saves. A lot of times we see someone might have a name in the Old Testament that matches their character. Like Jacob, he was a supplanter, he was a deceiver. Jesus had a name that matched his character. He was the Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, liberal scholars will point to that text and they'll say, well, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew there, uh, it's not the word for virgin. It's the word for marriageable, uh, a, a young woman of marriageable age. And yet, the word there actually has a wide range of meaning. It can mean a virgin. And when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, they used the word for virgin and not just the word for. So it was a very early understanding, at least 250 years before Jesus was born, that they understood this to be referring to a virgin birth. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, from this prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that this child that would be born, the son that would be given, would be called Emmanuel. And Matthew tells us what that means. It means God with us. 
God with us. God became a human being. John tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That was God's plan from the beginning in the garden. It tells us at the time that Adam had fallen, you know, before God would come down into the garden and walk with Adam in the cool of the day. And God would be with His people. And we have been separated from God because of our sin, and yet Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God present with His people. Twenty-four. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So Joseph awoke from the dream and he did what the Lord commanded. He, I don't know how long it had been in the, in the course of this normally a year of preparation between the betrothal and when they would come to live together, but apparently before the time that Jesus was born, they came together to live in one home, but he knew her not. They did not have, they did not consummate their marriage. They did not have uh, sexual relations. Matthew tells us that to be clear that Jesus was born of a virgin. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph accepted Jesus as his own son. He named him, just as the angel said, he named him Jesus. So let's think for a moment. Mary was in dire straits, wasn't she? Here she was, a young woman, she was innocent, and yet everyone around her knew where babies came from. And they could count back the months. They knew... There's less than nine months here. And they would think, oh, Mary. Oh, Mary, she's gotten herself into trouble. And people would talk. And she must have had so much shame. And yet, Joseph did something very great. Joseph accepted her. He took her as his wife because the angel had told him, but he took her as his wife. And in so doing, not only would they look at Mary and shake their head, but they would now look at Joseph and think, oh, well, if it wasn't his, he must be the father. And they can still count those nine months. Joseph bore her shame. Joseph bore the shame. And Jesus came to do the same for us. See, each one of us has so many things that we feel shame for. We have so many things that we wish we had never done. So many things that uh, uh, if, if, if our life story was displayed on a screen, screen and in front of everyone to see, we would, we would hide our faces and never want to be seen again. And yet Jesus came to take our shame Jesus did this, and in so doing, He was imitating His human Father. For Joseph took the shame of Mary before Him. And Jesus can take all of our shame. 
That's what Jesus came to do. He came to save us from our sins. They expected a political Messiah. They expected someone who would come and run off the Romans and they could have independent rule. And then that's not the kind of Messiah they got. Instead, they had a Messiah who would die for his people. He would be a sacrifice. He would be a lamb that was led to slaughter. And he became the substitute that paid for all of our sins. This Christmas, we can look to Jesus and know that we can be forgiven. We can be washed clean. We can have all of our shame covered. Because Jesus paid it all. Thank you.